City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. There we are, mics are on and it's uh, City Limits time. It's the uh, second Wednesday of the month. It's, um, however, it's going to be like the normal third Wednesday of the month because we're going to be doing housing today. And uh, that's because it's also our final program for the year, <laughs> which I'm so uh, so hurt about. It's all upsetting to think we're finishing, but there we are. And um, and on today's program, April Bragg's coming in, Housing with the Aged Action Group. There's heaps happening, um, including an item uh, that uh, showed uh, the deep concern of uh, Rupert Murdoch for uh, people being thrown out of caravan parks yesterday, a story in the place where a bloke's bought a caravan park and wants to throw these long-term older residents out. And um, and an editorial defending the rights of these people and how awful it is that this could happen. So it shows that Rupert cares for the needy. And uh, last night on the news, I noted uh, that uh, Jeff Fiedler from the Housing with Aged Action Group occasionally comes in here as well, uh, was discussing the issue and talking about this, you know, the terrible thing happening. So there's certainly something there we can discuss with April about this happening because it's happening more and more. And uh, so we'll get on to that uh, on today's program. Andy, you're over there um, pressing buttons and things. And, Good morning. Uh, yes, yeah. and seeing it this morning, it's only you and me. We have a sort of rotating type um, support staff on this program, but they sometimes don't rotate in. And uh, that's happened uh, this week. I'm just going to play around with some. Um, with some papers here. Here we go. So we know what we're talking about. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and of course, uh, well, Emma, I'm sure Emma's going to be back next year. She's finished up the year and done her academic ending, etc., etc. And um, Adrian's around somewhere, and Mark is up in New South Wales working. Yeah. So they'll all be back next year in February when we come back, or hopefully they will. So there we are. So uh, you're it today, Andy. You're going to have to... Uh, I'll probably be here in yeah, February. <laughs> you have to keep saying yes and make noises while I have sips of tea. There Speaking of which, well, this is our final, the final official oh, yeah. tea pouring of the year. And I know what happened to the blue pot. We've got the great big white pot today. It's uh, interesting, isn't it? But anyway, here we go. That's it. Oh, yes. Lovely, great radio. There we are. The pouring Beautiful. of the tea, beautiful. Um, just a, just an item I thought uh, I'd play with. Uh, I was going through. I found some old papers of my place. It's not hard to find old papers, but I found some old papers at the weekend, and one goes back to July night, twenty ten, and it just struck me because just recently. Mel Gibson won awards for in the Australian mm-hmm. um, Movie Awards uh, for that. this new film he's got out. And just a reminder of the sort of person he is, um, you might recall back then in 2010, he'd uh, split with his wife with whom he'd had a lot of kids. He then um, had an affair with a Russian model who had another kid, but before she had it, they split up and he hit her with the most dreadful racist mm-hmm. and awful comments. I think I had the audio to that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She kept it, um, thank- thankfully. 
and um, then he had an affair with another young woman, and when they broke up, he um, uh, he said to her, listen, you bitch, do you know who this is? Don't F with me or I will make you suffer, etc. Yeah. And, of course, we all know the rants he made, including using the word mm. nigger and being raped by them uh, to the Russian woman uh, and also made awful anti-Semitic... Like, this is a bloke who claims yeah, to be a staunch right-wing Catholic... Uh, so, just, so as his film is getting published and, it, and, and everyone's carrying on about it, I thought I'd remind people mm. of uh, the sort of person he is. Yeah, I was surprised the time he was getting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just to, uh, to add to it, there was also a feature where the Prime Minister of the time, Julia Gillard, was talking about the need to protect our borders from refugees. So nothing changes, does yeah. it, really? Without saying <laughs> There we are. Different, yeah. So I'm going to have a sip of tea. There we are. Um, yeah, so that I found that rather rather interesting. Um, the, uh, the this week uh, they they listed the favourite. Remember, two or three weeks ago, we talked to one of the stallholders at Vic Market about what's going on there, yeah. and he said they were pretty much in the dark. Although uh, this week a bit's come out that would indicate that something's going on, but in the meantime, um, they they've. We've done a list of the the pop, most popular tourist spots, the $38 billion a year they claim tourism, tourism market. And Queen Victoria market at 47% uh, is the highest uh, rating attraction in Victoria, hmm. Queen Vic market, yeah, right. 47%. Now, it seems to me uh, if, it, if, it ain't, if it ain't busted, yeah. why fix it? <laughs> yeah. As it is, people are going there. Yet there was another story in the same week, that's this week, uh, believe it or not, Andy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a big greenhouse in the sky will create a home for traders as the Queen Victoria market is redeveloped. The multi-million dollar greenhouse to be perched on columns nine metres above the ground will be built on a current car park along Queen Street and goes on about how... Uh, they'll um, he, and Robert Doyle says many many traders want want to move back, but um, I'm wondering about move back to what? Because mm-hmm. um, it says um, they may be some traders who opt to stay in the temporary market rather than move back to sheds A and B. Um, but the, and they say here that the the uh, work's going to start in sometime this year. They do name a date. Uh, and it just strikes me that uh, if we don't know what's going on, how come they've got, oh, here it is, construction of the greenhouse is expected to begin early next year before traders are relocated in September. So obviously in September they've got plans to do something to those wonderful old sheds and things mm. that they're now selling. So they, we, we really need to find out early next year what those plans are and who's, you know, just exactly yeah. what's this, something's in the wind. And I, you know, we fear that they're going to change it in a way that's not going to be good. So we'll see what happens. Yep. Yeah. Do you go to Big Market much? When you uh, occasionally, I haven't been recently. I was thinking about checking out the night markets coming up. Yeah, yeah, the summer market. I think yeah. maybe they've started, but yeah, they do intend to yeah, get down there. Again. Yeah, yeah. Um, now another one this week was the, uh, the 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 Herald Sun, you know, in its usual way about caring for everybody is warning us about um, the hell on the roads as all these roadworks take place over Christmas and it's going to be terrible. Um, And then they've also, of course, this week announced this new $10 billion tollway that's going to be funded Mm. by government and private sector. One can only assume that the 
the tolls will go straight to the private sector and the the costs will go straight to the government. Let's just assume that. And it's called the missing link. It's one that Vic Roads have been after for a long, long time, this connection across the old, uh, what used to be the old Heidelberg um, Paters area, that that area across there, uh, linking up to... um, to the outer ring road and and, and it it will destroy a lot of wonderful land and it's more roads. But it just struck me that they're prepared to spend $10 billion to clear traffic congestion across that corridor. Uh, When I went out to um, Diamond Creek on a train last week and it's a 40-minute service every 40 minutes. So you've really got a time. You've got to know what time the train leaves, let me tell you that. Uh, And and then again, there's a long, long gap from Eltham to Diamond Creek Station. If you live in the middle, I'm not sure what public transport you've got, but it's an area that's pretty well devoid of public transport Mm -hmm. where people simply have to have a car. Uh, And they're prepared to spend more and more to have more roads. And even now, and the roads are incredibly congested, but I'm prepared to bet that not long after they build the so-called missing link, all those roads will still be heavily congested Mm. and public transport will still be virtually non-existent. That's sad. I mean, you might find it hard hard to believe what I'm hinting at here, Andy, when I'm suggesting perhaps they could spend some money on the public transport system. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Did you pick that up at all? Yeah, no, I was getting that. I was trying to be a bit subtle about it, but... (laughs) Okay, you you got it. Right. Oh, well. If you got it, our astute listeners would have got it as well, I reckon, Andy, although you know, you're as astute as our listeners. I'm not suggesting anything <laughs> no, there. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit tired this morning, sorry if I am. You know? Oh, dear. Well, if you're tired this morning, this program's not going to help you. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Um, you mean, sorry to hear also that poor old BMW, BMW Finance, uh, have been forced to pay $77 million in Australia's largest consumer credit remediation program. Isn't that mm. sad, poor dears? They were getting people into all sorts of contracts. It wasn't just for BMW, all sorts of cars. Um, they've got a number of names, BMW Financial, Mini Financial, Elfira Financial, etc. They offered finance directly and through a network of motor vehicle dealers for a wide range of vehicles and car brands, new and second-hand, but apparently they were doing all sorts of tricky stuff. And they've had to pay a lot back and they've had to pay compensation to all sorts of people. But all up, it's cost them about $77 million. But, of course, they, you don't know what, this, what they've actually made out of the whole deal in the middle of it all that, of yeah, course. Well. Uh, not that I'm suggesting that, uh, you know, that they would uh, you know, be making uh, money out of all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Also, um, again, something I, I do happen to watch um, most days at some stage or other the uh, Channel 78, which is now the full-time horse racing station, showing Victorian races. And just before the race, at an interesting point, we were interested in finding out the real odds. Suddenly they go to the two crown bets coming on and giving you telling you all about the betting on the race and their odds, etc. Yeah. And you know it's a paid ad. And they've got a couple of well-known ex-footballers who generally present it, so it's that sort of playing games. Now, this is a subsidiary of the James Packer uh, empire. Yeah. And it's just come out when we talk about, you know, we see these ads everywhere and people complain about them, but Crown Bet, uh, in its, in its um, latest uh, annual report, Spent eighty million dollars on advertising marketing in the last year. Eighty million. They must be making some money there. Uh, yeah, and as it says, they're a big sponsor of this racing new racing station that's come on, um, and it's um, 
And it also has a sponsorship deal with the AFL worth close to ten million a year. And they've recently launched a Ricky Ponting we've seen a Ricky Ponting ad about big yeah, gambling, which doesn't mention that. them, but it mentions about their, their deals or something, yeah. Yeah. Another sip of tea. Um Crowdbet is understood to be one of the biggest marketing spenders in the sector, along with Sportsbet, mostly, most likely the biggest spender, and Bet365. Tabcor, which is pursuing a $11.3 billion merger with Tats Group, spent $64 million on marketing in 2016. Its accounts showed Tats spent $61 million on marketing promotions. It just shows what they consider the, 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 the market worth, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, we're dealing with many cases with problem gamblers here. Um, in the year to June 2016, Crownbet made a 16.9 million loss for the 2016 year, down slightly from 18.3 in 2015. Although the result included about 10 million in depreciation expenses and new investments in new sports fantasy business draft starts, which I've never heard of, but it's mm. out there somewhere, suggesting the business went close to breaking even on an operating basis. So, if in a couple of years they got to that, they're heading toward profit, which is awful. Mm. Um, and it points out wagering revenue grew strongly, almost quadrupling to $157 million, making Crownbet one of the country's fastest-growing bookmakers, and it goes on. But And I'll just – this is an interesting point as well. Crownbet has also been a big mover behind the newly formed Responsible Wagering Australia Lobby Group. That's a nice title, isn't it? Yeah. Responsible, but it's run by all these big betting companies. Uh, and they've just appointed the ex-Labor Senator Stephen Conroy as their executive director – uh, now, one can imagine that the Responsible Wagering Australia lobby group, lobbying who? Lobbying government about stopping gambling, stopping problem gambling, mm. or maybe encouraging more of it. Um, yeah. But anyway, we can imagine that given it's run by all the biggest bookies in the country, these private bookmakers, these corporate bookmakers, that it's going to be really pushing hard to stop problem gambling. Uh, You'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been crazy otherwise. Big chance. Uh, on a couple of industrial matters, um, you'll be pleased to know the government is considering legislation to stop unions from handing out how-to-vote cards at uh, polling booths in elections. Uh. Uh, yes, yes, bloody unions. Because um, they're, well, unions and party volunteers, in fact, they say. Um, and it, and it's also say the ban would combat activist groups such as Get Up and public sector unions whose members have been accused of dressing up as nurses and firefighters to campaign for Labor. Well, it's just possible they actually were nurses and firefighters, of yeah, course. Yeah, so that's true. Just put on their, their uh, work clothes. Uh, and um, anyway, the, the Greens and others, of course, are against it. Um, the Liberals only want this out of self-interest, not to improve democracy. That's what Lee Rhiannon from the, the Greens said. Uh, but they, you know, it's quite. If they put it up, you can guarantee they'd play games with all those cross benches and they'd do deals and something might happen. But it's an interesting thing that they, they don't say they want to stop um, Liberal Party members handing out or business people. Oh, no. can't. <laughs> I'm just looking for it here. I can't see it at the moment. No, it doesn't seem to be there. But just interesting that they're uh, they're onto that one. Um, now here's an interesting little go. Um, a couple of weeks ago, the, the, a company called Premier Investments uh, had its annual meeting and its chairperson, uh, it's, it's, its big boss, Solomon Liu. Now, Solomon is, a, is described here as retail billionaire. I don't know if you know Solly. No, he's in the, he always often sees photo in the business pages and he's always got a big smile on his face and any wonder because he's making trillions. 
Um, he runs companies, or he, his, his companies include um, companies like um, Just Jeans, well, hang on, it's not here, Just Jeans, Peter Alexander, Dottie, Portman's, JJ's, Jucky E and Smiggle. It's all, all clothing brands. Mm. He's big in that area. But he's moved into the social area. He says it is, our road, roads are a, are a disgrace and a disaster and we should spend a lot more money on them. So he wants the wow. government to spend a lot more. And he said it, we, the government wasted the boon it got from the mining sector and, and it should have spent more money on infrastructure like roads for people like Solly. Sounds like he should do. Yeah. And, uh, but, the, but he's also come out and said um, he, there's a major expectation among the nation's retailers that Sunday penalty rates will be cut by early next year. The rag trade billionaire said the past five years in um, retail had been as difficult as he had ever experienced and the sector expected the Fair Work Commission to harmonise Saturday and Sunday penalty rates. As you know, there's currently a hearing about that where because uh, Sunday rates are higher than Saturday and they want to bring them back. And then once they get that, they'll work on getting rid of the next one. And you know what it's like. They'll, yeah. they'll just keep chipping away till they get rid of them. Um, there is a major expectation that Sunday penalty rates will be cut by 50%, Lou said. Um, then, speaking at the company's annual meeting, he said it costs twice as much to employ a worker in Australia on a Sunday as it did in Britain. Poor man. It's well, awful, isn't it? That's good, Poor isn't Solly, it? yeah. The structure of the current regime of weekend penalty rates is incompatible with the world we live in, where most consumers shop on weekends and can also shop online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, I always find this interesting because they say, well, people want to shop on Sunday, so why, it's 24-7 world, why should we pay extra? But they pay extra because those people who are serving people also would like to be shopping on Sunday or yeah, doing I'm other sure things. They would. But because Sunday is still the weekend, and as the ACTU, as um, Jed Carney said a few times, she'll she'll talk about easing penalty rates when they play the grand final on a Tuesday. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's you know, so we, and it's a real contradiction. They say that's when people want to go and shop and do these things, and that's because it is the weekend. Hmm. But then they say, because but therefore we shouldn't have to pay more for workers to, because it's twenty four seven. Well, they can't have it both ways, yeah. but they they do. They try to. Yeah. Um, he rejected suggestions that Premier could face, that's his company, could face a wages blowout when it finished negotiating a new enterprise agreement with the retail union, the shop distributor and allied employees association. Well, I think when you're dealing with the shoppies union, you can pretty well you know, discount any suggestion of a wages blowout. Um, you can probably suggest of a wages implosion. Mm-hmm. Um, the company is operating under an agreement that expired in 2012 and pays lower penalty rates than those set out in the current award. What a surprise yeah. with that union and Solly. Um, expired in 2012. It's now 20, uh, one six. Yeah. One six minus one two is four, isn't it? Uh, it's been quite a while. Four years. So for four years without an agreement, workers have been getting lower than the award rate. Yeah. Uh, oh well, that's People, good. Yeah. And he's worried about cost of workers. Mm. Gee, Runs he must, must pay straight to yeah. his shop. Yeah. Anyway, it's um, it's the latest retailer to face questions over its wages bill after the industrial umpire rejected a deal between Coles and the union that traded away penalty rates, etc. Um, and we wonder why a, a new union's just developed uh, in that sector to um, to represent workers and maybe well. Represent workers. Yeah. Uh, the other one didn't. No. Well, has, doesn't. Doesn't. Woman. Unfortunately. Another sip of tea. Hang on. Mm. Now, allied to that story, 
there was a story in the age on what day um, a couple of weeks ago um, and what a surprise so popular are weekend penalty rates that a startling 76% of Australians don't want them to, um, who don't get them want them to stay okay. a, a, a reach tell poll of 3273 households conducted on Friday night this is Friday night a couple of weeks ago of course uh, found that even among coalition supporters, the proportion supporting penalty rates was 58%. Among Labor voters, it was 90%. Green voters, 89 Asked what their view would be of an establishment that then chose to cut weekend penalty rates, 64% said it would be negative or very negative. Even among coalition voters, 43% said they would disapprove and only 16% approve. Asked whether they would support hospitality workers taking industrial action to protect their penalties, 55% said yes. Only among coalition voters, well, it was lower among them, obviously. And um, so there we are. So despite mm. Solly says, well, it, they've got to go because it's killing retailers, and here we are, the majority of Australians, despite all the carry-on in the media over the last several years about how they're killing us, penalty rates... The majority of people, surprise, surprise, Andy. Yeah. Well, it is a bit of a surprise, actually. Uh, still support them. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. And now, also, remember two or three years ago again, and we ran a lot of programs on this, particularly in Strict Sick Together, but also throughout the day on during that big Bayarda strike, you might recall, the chicken place okay. that okay. Run also has Lilydale. It's the one that has the ad with all the green and you see all the right. chick- chickens looking very happy before they're being slaughtered. Um, <laughs> and um, the uh, and they, they supply the big supermarkets, so never ever, if you do eat chicken and all, don't buy them from those places. Okay. Never buy no, the big supermarkets. No, no, no. Um, but interestingly enough, Bayarda... Um, Speculation is mounting that family-owned poultry giant Bayarda Group is considering a float next year as it scrambles to clean up a wage fraud scandal that erupted in 2015. Isn't this surprising? Mm. Yes. Uh, we can, the, the Australian Financial Review says it can reveal that a report to be released on Monday, which was Monday a couple of weeks ago, uh, by the Fair Work Ombudsman shows Bayada has significantly improved its workplace practices as part of a voluntary three-year productive, uh, proactive compliance deal with the, with the workplace regulator. The deed followed an investigation into the group's complex labour procurement arrangements where Bayada uses labour hire firms to source most of its labour, largely casual and contract workers. It found that labour hire companies were exploiting workers by significantly, that's the quote from the commission, underpaying them, making them work long hours and charging them high rents to live in overcrowded and unsafe accommodation. The investigation also highlighted Bayada's failure to cooperate. It denied the regulator access to three sites and refused to provide meaningful documentation to help the regulator understand the terms of its labour supply agreements. With its reputation on the line and fears that its key customers, the supermarket chains, might pull the plug on lucrative contracts to supply its Stiggles and Lilydale chickens, it decided to mend its ways and on it goes. So it's now making out like it cares about workers, yeah, etc. Right. But I think we'll one to keep an eye on. But yeah. uh, 
just thought I'd mention that because Bayada uh, is not one of my favourite companies. So. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you think it's <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm gonna be, I'll be looking out for him now. Yeah, Bayada. So Steagles and Lilydale, they're two of their big brands. So, um, and, and most of those chickens you see on rotisseries at supermarkets are their chickens. So maybe, maybe all of them, in fact. Um, just want to move on. April's coming in in a few minutes, so just to move on um, to the uh, the environment. A couple of interesting stories. Well, a pretty awful story floating around. Uh, to break a cycle of drought and hunger, southern Africa, where 39 million people are suffering, will need better early warning systems, a switch to new crops, and to hedge commodity prices. The region is undergoing its worst drought in 35 years. People across southern Africa are pulling their children out of school, eating vital seed stocks and selling their possessions. But it goes on, but the worst drought in 35 years, and these are the, you know, some of the poorest people around the place. And, um, and yet uh, we've just had, we're having, well, I'll come on to that, but Trump appointing people who are going to maintain the reason why they're... Uh, they're mm. all starving and why it's happening. Um, ditto, um, a story from Australia. Heat waves cause more deaths in Australia than all other natural hazards combined. So authorities should consider a cyclone-like rating system to help people prepare for hot spells, etc. Um, and April Bragg wanders into the studio. Um, so just another one again. So again, the, um, the environment at the same time as we see... Um, the head of Exxon being, being appointed Secretary of State and a bloke who says that climate change isn't even happening appointed in charge of climate change, uh, Scott Pruitt. He'll be, he'll be good news. He disputes the mainstream scientific consensus that human activity is, is warming the planet at an alarming rate and that world governments must act aggressively to limit emissions to avoid catastrophic consequences. And he's, he's, he's continually suing the, the EPA over there uh, for he claims um, going too far in trying to stop people like him having a nice time uh, destroying the planet, yeah. uh, which is pretty good. Hello, April. Hi. Um, and just on that, I mean, here we, we criticise them, but at least in Australia we've got people who are concerned about the environment. For instance, um, Barnaby Joyce um, has backed federal financial support for Indian company Adani Group's $16.5 billion Carmichael Mine he said the coal mine 400-kilometre uh, rail line needed to be built to guarantee jobs for central Queensland. When I hear people standing up against development in the central Queensland coalfield, which is a what, 16 billion job, I ask the question, where is the alternate source of income coming from now? Mm. Where's the alternate planet going to come from when it's destroyed, of course? He doesn't ask, he doesn't that, ask that question. No, no, I'm saying that. Silly, <laughs> silly, silly me. Um, but at least um, we've got, and we have, of course, uh, Frydenberg and Frey and uh, Turnbull last week backing off completely. Yeah. But then on the other side, at least we've got, um, we've got people who are going to defend the environment. Uh, headline last week in the Herald Sun, I'm no greenie, says Shorten. Um, what? Now, why, um, why, did, uh, why did he need to say it? Yeah. I mean, waste of breath. We know he's no greenie. Yeah. I am not a rampant greenie who thinks there is no place for fossil fuel and energy mix in the future, he said. See? So, so all's, all's all well. in good hands. <laughs> Aren't we safe? <laughs> 
So there we are, team. Okay, hey, well, look, we'll take a quick break. I've been raving on for far too long. I'll have a sip of tea and uh, we'll talk about housing. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> What's he building in there? The Good Room Social History Documenting and Sound Gallery presents exhibition number three. He has subscriptions to those magazines. He never waves when he goes by. From glory boxes to grinder and other assorted tales of the everyday. He's all to himself. I think I know why. It's Oral History Victoria's first showcase where you can listen to the obscure, the everyday and the mainstream. Open from November 23rd until December 21st at the home of the Foundling Archive. The Good Room, 390A Ligon Street, Brunswick East. Open hours 11.30 till 4.30 Thursday to Sunday. Visit thefoundlingarchive.org.au for more information. A 3CR supporter. The 18th National Sustainable Living Festival is on again from the 4th to the 28th of February 2017. As dangerous climate change continues to threaten the things we care about, a sustainable lifestyle and restoring a safe climate is more important than ever. Featuring leading forums, artworks, talks, exhibitions and a new online festival program, it's time to ramp up the message and protect the things you care about. Event applications and full details at slf.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Wonders of the West, the Setting Sun Short Film Festival is calling for entries for its fabulous 2017 festival until the end of January. We're the largest short film festival in the West. We showcase the best films from the West and beyond. This year we're giving away over $5,000 of prizes, including cash. All films screen at the fabulous Art Deco Sun Theatre in Yarraville. If you've got a film no more than 12 minutes long, enter now. All genres accepted. Check out our website, settingsun.com.au, a 3CR supporter. Okay, back on air, April Bag Housing with the Aged Action Group. And April, I mentioned earlier in the show there was an item in yesterday's Herald <laughs> Sun showing Rupert Murdoch's deep concern for people in caravan parks being thrown out, including an editorial oh. saying they are largely forgotten people, often without relatives in a position to help them financially. These are sad and frightening end-of-life end years for people who have slipped through the cracks, etc. They give the... Naturally, they give Dan Andrews a bit of a whack over the head about it. Um... But, um, yeah, so the Herald Sun really cares about uh, these people, these people in caravan parks. But I, I did see um, yeah, Jeff Fiedler last night on yeah. – um, I, I was watching SBS News. I know he's probably on the others as well um, – uh, showing concern. And it's something we have talked about. Yes. And, and this bloke who runs this place, I mean, he, he, he bought it and immediately put up the rents. People can't afford them. Yes. They've now done a deal where they're paying somewhere in between the two what they were paying, what yeah. he wanted – but because he can't get what he wants, he's going to sell the joint anyway and redevelop it. Yeah, and this is um, – we're working with people of three caravan park um, 
sites at the moment who have been given notices this one's to in vacate. We don't think so. This one's Wanturna, in Monturna, by the way. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the, the one down at Werribee, um, the um, BP caravan park that we've talked about um, for some time, particularly about the poor living conditions that, that people are enduring, including um, for, for us, the people we were working with, um, a couple of men in their 80s who were actually living in um, uh, tents on, on the site and one of them in an annex of a friend um, who had had a caravan down there for about 20-something years um, and living conditions down there are, are, are really appalling. But um, it it has been... While there have been long-term residents there, there are some residents who... Um, and the same in Bonturna who have um, bought their units and rent the land. So they have that issue, of course, now with um, notice to, to vacate that they might have put. And often these are people that um, end up buying um, units on sites. Uh, are the people that are caught, caught between our public and social housing system being so restricted that it has an asset limit of thirty thousand for um, priority housing and public housing, it's now five thousand, um, except for for older people. But also, they might have um, they've got a small amount of savings after working or a bit of superannuation because they're the people that came in late on the compulsory super, mm. but not enough to buy something, um, to purchase something outright. So this is seen as a as a good option, which but, means, of course, that all they're going to do is keep getting poorer and poorer yes. because. They've got no investment in anything, but they're going to be using their money yes. to keep alive. Yes, and and it's seen as an alternative for many people. Everyone knows that paying private rent will um, rapidly eat into any savings that, that you've got mm. and doesn't provide you with any security. So people have actually gone into these arrangements thinking it does provide them security. Um, but for that group of people who own the um, own the units... Um, it it is that dilemma um, that that is their asset. That's um, you know basically all that they have, uh, and the issue about yes, they're supposed to be movable units, and you can move them, but it costs tens of thousands to be able to to move them. And we've seen people, particularly um, some of the negotiations that are going on at Wontona, is that um, if you can't move it, you're still responsible for it not being on the site. So um, you're responsible for the demolition of it. And so you need to pay those costs. And again, of course, people don't have that money. But the thought of having to demolish the only thing that you actually mm. own in your life is, I, I mean, it's just really, yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. beyond words. I can't. I can't even describe the pain that people are, are going through in that in that situation. So there is some, um, you know, and the very, um, you know, sort of um, the little that we can do in this situation is, you know, advocating for things like demolition fees to be waived, tip fees to, to be waived um, by the particular councils where, you know, the caravan sites are, are located in so that, you know, they're, they're actually providing at least... Well, it's not at least, but you know that people don't incur any more debt because basically they are. And then they've got to going go somewhere. Debt. And then the other issue, and that's why you see many people that are depicted in the um, media saying, "And I'm going to be homeless because mm. where am I going to go?" Um, so, and, and we're not talking about you know um, a couple of people. These are hundreds of hundreds of people um, across those across those sites. And and again, you know, people set up home thinking it was. You know, somewhere where they're going to stay for for life, um, and in a similar situation, we're working with two independent um, living unit uh, developments, um, one out in the east and the other one in um, in the north at uh, Reservoir, 
where um, people um, have been in, in these units. They're originally um, units for um, for the age that was they originally built with Commonwealth funds um, under that part of the Act that's no longer there. But but again, it's organisations. One out at Reservoir. Um, it's uh, run by Mayflower, who's a really large um, aged care provider now. Lots of residential care nursing homes um, in their portfolio, and they applied for more um, bed licences um, from the Commonwealth. And so they they're wanting to demolish all twenty three independent living units so that they can actually expand their mm. their residential and get care. in on what is seen now as the big growing bit of the economy. The Residential care for older people, yeah, in particularly yep. bed bonds and, yeah, and that type yeah, of thing. So, yeah. and many of those people, um, as out in the in the Box Hill area, some of them have lived there twenty something years. But there are people that have gone in only, you know, within the last twelve months, um, thinking that you know they were going to stay. So, you know, they've ended up in the same situation. And some of those those people, I must say, out at um, Reservoir who had been in um, private rental. Um, couldn't continue to afford it once they had stopped working. Um, all of them had worked. Um, and within that 12 months of really being in private rental, they all ended up homeless um, and went through a homelessness service and then were put in touch with the, with this provider um, and being told, yep, you're here, here forever. Other people yeah. around saying, yeah, yeah, I've lived here for 20 years. And then suddenly within that Bang. time, they're, they're back through the homelessness Well, one bloke system. here says he, he was in hospital for four weeks. He's got emphysema, he's 70-year-old, came home and got the letter saying he's been thrown out. Uh, but just on that rental situation, the... the Relocatable homes were jump were paying 118. They wanted to put it up to 170. Yeah. And the caravan people were paying 100 and, uh, 124. Wanted to go up to 188. Now they're paying 144 and 154 respectively. But if you're in a pension, there's still yes, a lot of money. Right? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. I, I I don't think the negotiate. Sorry. I yeah. It wasn't a the the compromise wasn't um, no. um beneficial. And and again. Why you need to look at why people are, are, are going into to these arrangements rather than thinking that or, or not being able to access, um, you know, uh, public perhaps, housing yes, yeah. or social housing, but particularly public housing, which is a percentage of of your income, um, and your rent only increases into the the amount that you're, you know, basically your pension. Mm. Everyone's on pension, so um, it's. Uh, it's uh, certainly not an easy plight. And some of the, um, I mean, just visiting the, the people, that the men that we got out um, within this year out of that um, BP Werribee site, um, people that did have caravans or, you know, did have some form of, um, you know, dwelling, um, they had deteriorated um, extensively over, over time. So mm. people were really living in substandard conditions. Yeah. And then you have to think as well, these aren't um, units that actually um, have bathroom or toilet facilities. So people were actually needing to use the, the common ones mm. in the communal area, as you do like when you go on hol- yeah. holidays. Yeah. But for many old... And the grounds aren't kept. Um, many older people on walkers trying to navigate, you know, unsafe surfaces in the middle of the night... Um, also, particularly that one, became prey um, around the communal um, toilet, bathroom area for, um, you know, people who were also really, really struggling but um, who were looking to rob people and that had happened to a number of people that we had worked with. Um, so, you know, when you're going in for your shower or going to the, to the toilet, you're being, you know, rolled at the same time for 
whatever you've got on you. Yeah. And not that I'd ever suggest there's any inconsistency with Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> but um, but the day before he had this story about how these poor people, these poor pensioners suffering, etc., how terrible it is, big headline the day before, Dole bludges, Aussie knocks, Aussies knock back jobs to stay on welfare. Tens of thousands of Australians have rejected job offers, etc. Um, and um, they're... Um, on generous taxpayer-funded welfare payments, yeah. well, they're certainly generous, aren't they? We know they're, they're incredibly high. Um, and um, they're knocking back job offers or quitting. Rebuild. There are more than 30,000 Australians, 35,000 Australians living the life of Riley. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness me. <laughs> so well, that, it, it, that balances out yeah, the story a bit. Yeah, yeah, but isn't it incredible that, that there is that, that you know, that quite, how, how did this happen to our pensioners living in caravan parks? When developers don't realise it's actually their behaviour, that that one down in Werribee, why that's actually being done? Now, who would have ever thought that you'd develop land at the back blocks of the arts end of yeah, Werribee yeah. in the middle of fertilised, um, uh, stinking um, market gardens? Yeah. Um, be, and and why that's actually happened is that there's there's a developer. Um, I think it was. I, can't, I shouldn't say if I don't know, um, that's developed a big marina down there and an exclusive residential um, settlement where houses, they're, they're selling houses for people are mad buying there, but, you know, that $800 a million dollar mark. It's, um, and, and that's exactly why. So once that started to happen, you knew, that, and there's another caravan park around the corner, um, you knew that that tract of land would, would um, continue to be developed in, in that style. Yeah. And if we need, if money's needed, I mean, the 7.30 report Monday had an item about that um, rental affordability scheme that yep. we attacked at the time, which yep. gives money to private developers, but where even people who've invested in that yep. were being taken down by the by the person yes. running the scheme yes. and not getting paid. The government was paying the bonus to that, to the to the over to the company, but it wasn't being passed on to investors. Yep. So even there, they're being ripped off. Yet that's money that could have built built, built heaps yeah, of public put it housing into, to capital directly. And just in, infuriating because um, you know just continually um, on on the road. Um, just the the available tracts of land that are around Melbourne. Um, mm. You know, we've mentioned the the, the old wholesale mm. market site in in Footscray. Um, and when I was in Maribyrnong the other day, having to go around the, around the back, there is all that still that. I'm pretty sure it's Commonwealth land where the migrant um, hostel used to, to be, mm. but going um, going further north, huge The old ordinance place out there as well. Well, they did build on some of that, yeah. but this is the other side, yeah. side of the, the I road. I thought they still had clean-up problems. Well, got over well it, might, it might be on that, that yeah. side, but I don't think it was ever the ordinance factory. It was yeah. up up on the hill. Yeah. But um, but it's it's not, uh, as you're saying, you, you dream up all these schemes, how much it costs, how much it costs in subsidy, rather than using the infrastructure that we already have Mm. to actually put houses on it. And we all know building houses actually doesn't cost no. <laughs> very much at all. Well, the one I was at my place, railway land, it's going to be a private yes. development, a beautiful old tree coming down because they say they um, can't save it. Uh, yeah. And yet uh, there's not one bit of even affordable housing. And yeah. I know I've been yeah. you know, using that term very loosely. Yes, but, very uh, loosely, because we're but, talking about 75% yeah, of the market right, when right. the market keeps going up. Now, yeah. I, I, I presume it's a woman, Anya Whitehead of Katoomba, New South Wales, had a letter in the Financial Review the other day, uh, in fact, yesterday. Um, and I'll, I'll read, only read the last part, but she says that renters are people who are transient. They, they have all sorts of problems. 
Um, some 30% of Australians are renters and many will stay that way as the housing boom gets out of control. The rental population will increase long term, it is inevitable. We need serious renters' rights similar to those in Europe to stop a growing crisis of unaffordable housing. Long-term leases, freedom to create a home, the arrest of landlords and agents who manipulate rent increases and hinder improvements on properties. There is abuse and discrimination related to a market profiteering of our most basic need. Governments at every level need need to face this. It is creating a poverty class. Good stuff. Here, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and, and I can imagine them passing laws to arrest landlords. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But, but also the, the capping of, um, of rents if we're seeing that... Um, you, you know, no, no matter how it's provided, there needs to be those benchmarks for for people around um, affordability, and not what's being bandied around at the moment. Of, you know, affordability being with subsidy from government being seen as seventy five percent of a market rent, which markets continued um, to to um, uh, increase. But um, so cap rents, security of tenure, um, basically. All the things that homeowners, when they're at the end of of paying paying out their mortgage, mm. and I don't support mortgage pay, you know, um, people needing to have mortgages, but the benefits that you get in terms of yes, it's long term, you settle, um, and you know, at the end of that time, that you are basically paying a maintenance fee. So mm. you know, starting rent off at that, and then if your tenure. Um, continues over decades, and you are only paying for for upkeep of a, of a property, but it but it's yours. So um, that's what's really yeah. needed. And yeah. tinkering around the edges and not putting any money into capital is just nonsense. Well, it's it's the fact that that land and housing are seen as as as, as assets as yeah. as part of the economy, yeah. uh, and therefore it, housing gets removed from being a basic need, which yes. it is. And it, yes. if it was seen as a basic need that everyone has a right to, yes. Then the property market would have to change uh, dramatically. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it is that stuff about you know basic needs. If you don't have a home, you know, then you, you know, the struggle in life is is you know insurmountable almost, and that's right across the board. Whether you're a single person, whether you're old, whether you're family with kids, the sort of children not not having a roof over their head, and not being able to you know have a you know a good childhood that mm. you know holds me in good stead for <laughs> adulthood is um just something abhorrent to to me so we yeah yeah that's a dis- that's a discussion take the investment out of it before i go on to the next one i want to talk about have you got anything you want to and talk sorry, about I was today gonna say, i think yeah. most people would agree with that i don't think that people living in their homes actually sit there and get up every morning and rub their hands and say oh that's really fantastic you know that the house has grown by this much value <laughs> this morning people yeah. everybody just sees it as, as their home and i think that particularly oh, i said that time and again if you own it if you own it uh, its its values are relevant. That's right. Because if you if you as long as you've only got the one house, you're not an investor. Yes, yes. Then because you've got to buy something else yes, anyway if you move. So right. it's, it doesn't yeah. make any difference. Yeah, yeah. And we saw the people you know that were particularly displaced through compulsory acquisition through through the west and through the um, inner city through um, some of the road projects and and the um, regional rail link. How they couldn't buy back into the market. I mean, they were given the market mm. value of, of their homes um, plus some minimal compensation um, for the for the loss and the you know the um, the difficulty of moving and the like. But they did. I, I mean, so many people are reported that they actually had to move mm. to the outer well, suburbs. Well, same in Collingwood, Bendigo Street, that area now, where people were bought out 
at so-called market rates but couldn't buy back mm. into the same area, having lived there all their lives. Yeah, and yeah. We know people have now moved to you know, the outer suburbs somewhere yeah. where they don't want to be yes, um, because they couldn't afford to buy where they were so-called compensated for. Yes, yeah. I know some of the... Some Footscray people ended up at, out at Melton. That was the, yeah, the affordability yeah. for them. Bloody awful. And did you have anything you wanted to raise other than um, that? Because I've got a couple of things. But I yeah, just... no. Go. Well, one was this Productivity Commission report, which I'm sure you, we all love the Productivity Commission, of course. Um, but they suggest the three areas that are, are most open to uh, the private sector getting involved are public hospitals, social housing and palliative care services. Um and they say of 26 services, the Commission identified only five as being best suited to more comp- competition. End-of-life care, human services in remote Indigenous communities, public dental services, public hospitals and social housing. Um, they say, you know, jails and things, and you know, they can always have a look at. But the report said social housing, when they call, call it social now, of course, where government entities managed four out of five properties was besieged by long waiting lists and a high rate of property underutilisation, while 20% of housing languished in an unacceptable condition. There are a large number of housing providers, both not-for-profit and for-profit, that could perform this service instead, the report concluded. April, comment on that? Well, I think it's um, what we've been saying for for decades now, that the propaganda around the private sector being able to do it better than... Um, you know the public sector, and particularly in in housing, um, we witness every day the um, the efficiency of the public housing system and the good um, standard of housing. Um, and unlike the not for profit sector, um, doesn't have to meet particular requirements um, to ensure that um, properties are adaptable and, and accessible. Um, so. Um, I mean, just just as, <laughs> as an example that I've been thinking about all night and um, and this morning, I um, round about this time of year, the Office of Housing um, has a moratorium on, on any um, legal action um, in terms of evicting tenants, and that's generally um, you know a, oh. around a, a reason. That's mainly oh. for families. It's great to see the Christmas. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, but again, yes. Well, I, I always said that. However, yesterday I was um, doing a, a sign up with um, a, a, a tenant, a client, at one of the largest um, social housing providers, and and the worker there was. Um, we were trying to work out a sign up for an, another. Um, person next week so really great news that we've got people housed but one of the things that was um (laughs) blocking up the calendar was that they had three vcat hearings um um next uh, sorry three vcat hearings but they also had scheduled three evictions next week as well and i um, yeah, but what happened to the Christmas spirit? It's Christmas week, my goodness, you're doing and and this again would be families within sort of their portfolio as as well. It's not likely to, to be older people. So the, all the struggles that families have in terms of, you know, if you mm. if you're on a Centrelink benefit That's and right. trying to raise kids and everything and that needs to go with that, trying to give kids Christmas presents but all their mates are getting them but you can't yes, afford them all, all that sort of all stuff. of that. And we're talking about in that sector that um, uh, you know a rent of thirty percent plus your Commonwealth rent assistance um so um not having that flexibility of some of those payments that that you get yes you know rent assistance supposed to pay for pay for the rent but it's actually not the rent assistance paying for 
um, assisting with that 30%. That 30% is coming out of out of your benefit. And I can bet that anyone that's actually being evicted mm. or that's been accepted into housing is, is on a benefit. Um, so I was just, um, yeah, I've just been thinking all night and all day, but they couldn't possibly be thinking of doing that to, to families um, at this time. It's whether you believe or not. Watch it's, this space. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a new improved, new improved system. Yeah. And, of course, we can't do anything to politically to put pressure because there's no political accountability in, in that system. It's accountable within its own um, rules mm. and regulations. So it's not as if we can go, you know, as, as a public housing system, and we have to have politicians, you know, the minister needs to be accountable back to us about those yeah. kind of actions. And so... It, there, there is, you know, it's completely. That's right. The minister, the, the minister and government become accountable only in that they've given it away. Yeah. And 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 made other people accountable, which is you know what happens in where where you share it, this yeah. public private stuff, yeah. where no one then takes responsibility yeah. for anything. But and but really clearly only responsible for the financial management. I mean that's all it's you know really cared mm. about is that they you know that they meet the governance and the financial yeah. accountability, yeah. not the the. Um, the policies or procedures that actually affect tenants' lives. So, yep. well, now look, we're winding up the year. <laughs> um, at the start, I was thinking the other day I at the have start one of good the news story. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, go on. Um, one of the really good things that yeah, well, that... we don't now because we don't, we don't want to finish <laughs> yes. on a good news story, do we? No, well, no, no I thought that we start. would this no. year. What? Uh, yeah. Oh well, okay. Hang on <laughs> to it. Never, hang on to you it never then. Know. Okay. I was going to say. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I was going to. Jeez, this is awful. But anyway, I was going to say that at the start of the year, we all knew there was no way known that Donald Trump would get the Republican <laughs> Party nomination, did we? Didn't we? And um, so that's, that's well, the, sort, the of year it's, sort of year it's been. I was going to suggest to you, as we say this time every year, has anything changed or is it just, just rolling on and, uh, and well, public housing? Have... Has, any, has anything happened positive in, in, the, in the housing area other than... Uh, well, the, the usual depression we talk about month after there, month? There have been some positive things, of course, coming out of the Royal Commission um, and the state government, to its credit, has allocated um, some millions both to support services but also to some capital works. But, but again, if we had an expanded system, it wouldn't need to be... You know, just narrow to that, but but that is positive in in that. I mean, you never get the feds doing that. So in that sense, um, <clears throat> the positive thing that I wanted to to, to say to mention is that this last, is the good news. This is the good news. Oh. Ta-da! <laughs> oh. <laughs> is that um, can, can city limits leave and, this and down? And this is just a procedural change. So it does mean that it doesn't <laughs> negate that we um, have got a shortage of housing. But after many years of lobbying to have the automatic priority housing system for older people, and we used to have it for anyone over 75, this is public housing, anyone over 75, they were automatically eligible for priority. They didn't need to jump through all the, all the hoops. Um, that was taken away by the um, Labor government, um, uh, sorry, the Liberal government when Anne Henderson was the minister. When Bron- Bronwyn Pike became the minister under Labor, it was never reinstated. Anyway, after many years of, of lobbying and lobbying around the issue about private tenants and any savings that they have been eaten up um, by rent, um, but private tenants were never recognised by, by the department, really. They had no status. They were saying, well, they're housed. And it is that system, that issue of how a system works only in response to crisis. So unless you were actually homeless... 
um, you'd already become homeless. You you were saying, you were told, well, you're okay. They finally accepted the argument, and particularly our argument, that this is a very vulnerable group. They are one month away always from, from becoming homeless. Um, so anyway, the, um, the government um, put through Parliament um, changes to the Housing Act, so legislation around that, um, uh, I suppose recognising that cohort had to go through human um, equal um, the discrimination um, tribunals as well or readings. Um, but anyway, the good news is that legislation has passed and we now have an automatic priority housing system for people over 55. So we we didn't <laughs> we thought we thought we'd get 65, but 55. Um, and particularly oh. private renters in recognising their plight. So, oh well, we're in a positive note. Yeah, it's awful, isn't yeah. It? Okay. It, it was a, it's a big piece of work and a big end piece of, of legislation. End of story. Look, I want to at the end of the year thank everyone who's helped out on this program all year. Um, all the, the passing parade of co-presenters, yeah. etc. In April, you coming in, all the regulars. And we want to um, thank you for allowing. Week. Yeah, and, us but particularly to Andy because Andy's been wonderful. Yeah. He's uh. come in just out of the last few. No, seriously, Andy, you've been absolutely great. Really and, in the morning, thanks Grace. for all your help. And, thank you. And the staff here, because the staff here, anything you want, they do for you, and I think that's always worth pointing out um, at 3CR. Yeah. But and next week, because we're off, but next week, those who might have heard it last Sunday morning, Radio Echo Shock, it comes out of America, excellent program, played very early on I turn on the radio on Sunday and it's usually on at about six in the morning or something. Um, but last Sunday they played a piece coming out of Britain about a bloke called David Fleming who's died, who wrote a lot of stuff about alternatives and uh, alternative ways of living and how we have to. And two two of his friends had a discussion for an hour, and it was absolutely magnificent, well worth listening to. Great discussion, and I'm and I've just requested three CR, and they're going to do it. Play that on this segment next week. So oh, next, terrific. well worth listening yeah, to next cool. week. Yeah. Okay, that's it for the year. Uh, we're out of here. Joe's going to wander in. <laughs> April, we'll see you next year yeah, again. We will. And we'll, yeah. we'll have lots of new things to talk about, yeah. like all the public It'll housing that's going to be built. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. All the best, okay. everyone, for Thank 2017. You.